And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. We are in full holiday mode at Workplace Perspective, and today's show is going to be dedicated to our annual holiday survival guide. The holiday mix and mingle season is in full swing, which means a lot of added stress for those of you who may dread the inevitable holiday business social scene. But fear not, Workplace Perspective is here to help you sail through the holiday with confidence and style. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners. It is so hard to believe that it's December already. And like I said, while the holiday season, I think sometimes it can feel like this never-ending cycle of tinseled chaos... The holidays really do present some really wonderful opportunities to represent not only yourself, but your organization. And I know that this mix and mingle circuit kind of presents some significant challenges for a lot of those in the business world who struggle when it comes to personal interaction. So to kind of alleviate some of that holiday stress, we have created a holiday survival guide. And for the past several years, we've put it out in various formats. And today we're going to be walking through some of our most helpful tips for surviving the holidays, starting with the importance of an RSVP. So when it comes to business social events, you want to create a positive image. Well, in business, you want to create a positive image, period. But with a social setting, that first step creating that image really starts way before you make your grand entrance into the event. It starts with, believe it or not, responding to the invitation. So the RSVP, or the please respond, request is really important, but it's often overlooked um, when it comes to business etiquette. And I think failing to respond to an invitation is really one of the most frustrating people, uh, mistakes that people make. And think about that, right? It's frustrating. So your first, <laughs> your first impression with your host is a frustration if you fail the RSVP. And you haven't even set foot in the door yet. So that's that's not a good way to start. So failing to RSVP, of course, really sends a message to the host that you don't think much of the effort that they made in putting their event together, or worse, that you're holding out for a better offer. And with the point of etiquette to be building and maintaining these business relationships, you really do this by showing consideration, respect, and honesty with your actions, your words, your appearance. And while the RSVP might seem like a really small thing, it's still a really terrific way for you to show respect and appreciation and to kind of set yourself apart from the other attendees who do forget. 
And in a world where job performance skills are only going to get you so far, banking a little bit of goodwill and showing off your personal skills really might just make all the difference when it comes to putting yourself in a favorable light. So a couple tips when it comes to the RSVP. You always want to respond immediately. So waiting until later, it's really a big mistake because the invitations get lost or they get forgotten. They sit in your email inbox or on your desk. And so I think a good rule of thumb is to respond usually within a day or two of receiving the invitation. Now, what happens is one of the reasons that people don't respond right away is they're never sure as to whether or not they're available. But just I think it's really important to still answer right away and just be honest. So one of the first things a host worries about is whether or not you receive the invitation. So it's important to alleviate that concern by letting them know you got the invitation. And then the next concern is always whether or not you're going to be able to attend. So if you can't, be honest. If you're not sure, be honest. Let the host know that you receive the invitation And if you're not sure if you can make it, that you'll get back to them about whether or not you'll be able to attend as soon as possible. You want to be sure to tell them when they can expect you to let them know definitively so you're not holding on, right? And then you don't want to forget to calendar that date and follow up with them. Now, if you have to decline an invitation, I'm going to talk about honesty through this whole show today. And this is one of the places. If you have to decline, try and be as straightforward and honest as possible. A lot of times there's really, although we feel the need to elaborate, there really isn't a need for that. If it's just a simple, I have a prior engagement or I'll be on vacation, it really should suffice. It's, it's really bad form sort of to set conditions on your attendance also. So keep that in mind. So things like asking the host before you accept sort of what are you going to be serving or who else is going to be there sets a really bad tone. And it also shows that you're really not good at navigating social situations Um, and you're not building a great reputation uh, when it comes to uh, the business world. If that's how you're viewing it, it kind of goes back to that idea that your host is wondering, well, you're asking me those questions then you're looking to compare my event to somebody else's maybe you have a better offer doesn't make that person feel very good they're going to have a negative uh, feeling towards you so you ever get confused by those regrets only rsvp requests ones that say just you know just tell us if regrets only that's all we need you're not alone so The idea behind a regret-only request is that you need only reply if you can't attend. So that way the host, they don't want to get inundated with replies, everybody commenting or responding back. But this means that if your host doesn't hear from you, then they're expecting you to be there. And if you can't attend and simply forget to reply or you can't recall if you did or you didn't reply, it can pose a problem for the host. So when it comes to this type of an RSVP, I recommend responding either way so there's no confusion, okay? I think it's the best way to do it because then there's just, there's absolutely no question. Now, the other issue that comes up when it comes to RSVPs is when you have to change a no to a yes. So you responded at the time you didn't think you could go, but maybe your plans fell through and now you can attend. So if you discover that you can attend an event after you send a no, you want to make sure you reach out to the host as soon as you can and ask if there's still room to attend. What you don't want to do is just show up. 
because uh, that could be a problem depending on the event, and it's always best to let the host decide how to handle that. One of the last things I'll say about RSVPs is you want to make sure that you are not bringing uninvited guests. So bringing along someone who's not invited, this includes your spouse or your significant other or your children, it's almost as bad as failing to respond to the invitation. You should never just simply show up with an uninvited guest because you don't want to put your host or your guests on the spot by carelessly thinking that, well, it's all just going to work out because a lot of events have a limit on the number of occupants. That's why the RSVP is so important. Um, and they may not allow for adding another di- guest to the dinner uh, in case it's not a buffet style or something like that. So nothing's going to make you look worse or put you in a bad light um, faster than forcing your host to turn your guest away. So you don't want to put him in that in that uh position. Okay. So, well, I said one last thing, but let me, let me mention this one last thing because uh, uh, one last, last thing, dress code. Always look at the invitation on the dress code when you receive the invitation, because when you RSVP, it's a great opportunity to clarify if you have any questions. So, um, you want to make sure if it's, is it formal? What does that mean? Is it business casual? I've seen some really funky sort of business dress code uh, uh, invitations. And um, it's best to just sort of level it out with the host. So if it's business casual, what does that mean? If it's, I'm trying to think of one that I, I heard not too long ago. It was tropical, uh, tropical networking. Truly, it was on the invitation, and so the somebody they were somebody that I knew very well, and they called me and they said, "Have you ever heard of this?" And I said, "No, never heard of that." And they hadn't RSVP'd yet, so I said, "Well, just suggested that when you RSVP, just ask them to clarify what they mean by that." So you want to make sure you show up appropriately and, and understand what their idea of of. of the dress code is. So, all right, we are going to take a quick break and we come back. A few more tips for surviving the holidays. We'll be right back. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now, imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Have a unique perspective you'd like to share when it comes to surviving the corporate holiday party circuit? We'd love to hear it. Send us your tips for surviving and thriving the corporate holiday season to perspective at (laughs) sapphirelegal.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking about surviving the holidays with a walk through our workplace perspective holiday survival guide. All right. So the first tip was a few things about RSVPs. Next stop, small talk. 
One of the more common misgivings I think that people have about social interaction stems from this fear or an apprehension of approaching people that you don't know and initiating conversations. So when it comes to small talk, and because I'm an attorney and I like words and definitions, I want to tell you what the definition of small talk is. Yes, there's a definition for that. Trust me. So the dictionary defines small talk as polite conversation about unimportant or uncontroversial matters, especially as engaged in on social occasions. My suggestion? Take it for what it is and run with it. Nobody expects an in-depth analysis of war and peace at a mix and mingle. We're talking about building and maintaining business relationships. So when it comes to initiating or making polite conversation about unimportant or uncontroversial matters, let's start with the obvious. The easiest way to go about initiating small talk, make an effort to become more familiar with what's happening in the world around you, apart from politics. We said uncontroversial, right? So make an effort. Just read before that before you head out to the event, read a summary of the latest book to make the New York Times bestseller list. Okay, so the other person doesn't read when you ask when you ask the question what have you what have you read lately or you comment on that book and they say well I really don't I don't read much so ask them what was the last book they did read or article that they read what's their favorite magazine ask them what they don't like about reading you're off and running you could find out the name of the week's top grossing movie or check the internet to see how the your state sports team did last weekend because I'll tell you Even people who don't follow sports really tend to know how the local teams did. And even if the other person says they hate sports, great. Admit it's not your favorite thing either, if that's true, and take it from there. Keep in mind, nothing in-depth is required. You are just trying to start a conversation or keep one going. And let's face it, talking about the weather is only going to get you so far in polite conversation. So you don't want to beat a dead horse. My other tip get curious. So cultivate a curiosity about the world around you. Truly amazing array of topics that you can use to start, continue, or redirect a conversation. Try this approach and you're never going to be at a loss for small talk material. Get really good at small talk and you're going to develop a reputation for being comfortable with people and someone who's easy to talk to in a social setting, which is not a bad reputation to have in business. Another tip, research. You don't know much about your host? Do some research. Ask about their interest. If the host a business client, read up about them. Have they recently been recognized for any awards or innovations? You don't have any time to prepare before your event? No problem. Just take your cues from the other guests or maybe the decor, the fabulous food, even if it's not. Just be an engaged listener by commenting or asking questions. Those are all really great ways to keep the conversation going and to discover additional topics to bring up if the conversation really kind of starts to lag. All right. Those are my tips on small talk, right? Now, one of the most embarrassing and potentially stressful aspects that a lot of people have when it comes to socializing is the self-introduction. Walking up to meeting, talking to strangers are all really common occurrences, just seemingly designed to strike fear in the heart of any socially trepidatious individual. But 
Keep in mind, most all social business events are already structured as meet and greets, and people are expecting you to come up and introduce yourself. So think about it. Half the battle's already won. Now, I get asked a lot about the best way to approach an individual or group of people in a situation where you don't know anyone. So here's my advice, the practicalities. Look around the room, find someone who looks approachable. Either someone standing by themselves or someone in a group. Walk up with confidence. Look at the person that you're intending to approach, whether they're alone or in a group. Smile, nod. If necessary, just kind of wait for a break in the conversation, then say hello. Put your hand out there, say your name slowly and clearly, and then listen carefully as the person gives you their name in return, and you're done. You are now ready to amaze and impress with your seemingly endless supply of small talk and array of small talk topics. All right. One last thing on talking to people. There's always a tough moment in any social setting, especially in a business social setting. It's the inevitable, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name situation. So what do you do when you can't remember a person's name and you need to make an introduction or when they remember you and you don't remember them? One way to handle the situation is to face it head on by just asking the person for their name. Just look at them, smile, and just simply say, look, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name. Most people are not going to be offended by this, and they're going to be willing to forgive and forget, especially when the admission is just accompanied by a really sincere apology. Here's something else you can do um, if you're too embarrassed just by not remembering their name and you, you just don't know what to do. You can simply turn to the person next to you, if there's one there, gesture then to the to the new person that just walked up and ask, have you two met? So usually one of the two kind of picks up the cue uh, that you're not exactly sure and does a self-introduction. So that's, that's a great way to handle that. All right, one last topic before we sign off, disengaging from conversation. Politely disengaging from social conversation is another aspect of business social engagements that people find really difficult to navigate. So how do you preserve that relationship that you're just cultivated or maintain the relationship that you already have without falling into the trap of having your time monopolized at an event where you want to meet as many people as you can? So what do you do? Well, I think, first of all, you have to think about everybody that's impacted by how you disengage. And I think a lot of times people don't consider how bad you can look if you disengage badly. If you're abrupt or you're simply, you start looking over somebody else's shoulder to find someone else to talk to, it gives a really bad impression. But I think honesty when it comes to this is really the best policy. So you wanna focus on being truthful and honest with your actions, and it's gonna, it's gonna affect everybody positively that's involved, including yourself. So I think the best thing to do is find a way to to let that new acquaintance of yours know that you enjoyed meeting them, but that your goal for the evening was to meet several new people. So you might say something along the lines of, I want to thank you for helping me with one of my goals for the evening, meeting several new people. Can I get your business card? Or I've really enjoyed our conversation. Maybe we can catch up later. Whichever of those statements is the most honest. I think this is the best solution for disengaging because 
it's really best for everyone. It works when the monopolizer is already an acquaintance and it works with someone you've just met. And I think by being honest in this way, you're really showing that person respect in a way that gives you confidence and shows you to be a genuine and sincere person, which is not a bad way to be perceived in business. All right. There are so many opportunities during the holiday season to make choices about the way we interact with others. And taking the time to think before you act and acting in a way that's going to build those business relationships is going to go a long way towards helping you shine a bit brighter and solidify your reputation as someone who understands the value of developing and maintaining professional relationships. That's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm confident that by following these simple guidelines, you'll be well on your way to making a terrific impression at your next holiday event, a building a reputation as someone who knows the value of social interaction. If you want to learn more about how to survive and thrive this holiday season, check out our holiday survival guide. Our annual guide can be found by visiting our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast and clicking on today's show. I want to thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Michelle Hardy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar. 